You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Well, welcome everyone to The Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And on the line, we have Mr. Jason Mendelson, founder of The Foundry Group, a venture capital company that invests in startups, small businesses, and for entrepreneurs who have great ideas and are seeking investment and funding. Now, please take heed for all of you out there who are looking for an investor into your company, business, or idea, because Jason's going to have great things to share. Please listen close. So, Jason, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, as you all out there may know, this is a Bamboo Detroit podcast, and we are interviewing both Bamboo members and friends and partners of Bamboo. And Jason is a great partner who has come to town recently, Michigan and Detroit roots. He's out located in the Colorado, Denver, Boulder area. And we're welcoming him as a special guest interviewee. And Jason, let's go right into who you are, where you're from, where you raised that, and maybe go into a segue where you are now. All right. So I was born in Detroit and then uh, later years moved out to Troy, Michigan. So I am spent the first 27 years of my life in Michigan with some stints in Ann Arbor. I went to school there twice. I uh, thought I was going to be a professional musician. So for all of you uh, drummers out there, I spent many, many years at Percussion World on Woodward and 8 Mile right around the corner from the zoo in the Rialto Cafe. Okay. So uh, that, that was that was a good upbringing. Uh, I spent some years as a software engineer. I spent some years as a lawyer. I started a company called SRS Aquium, which is still alive. Um, and along the way, I uh, started my own venture capital firm called Foundry Group, which is located in Boulder. Uh, we invest in technology companies all over the U.S. We started as an early stage fund where we did seed and series A. Uh, we have now matured to where we do seed series A, B, and Cs. Uh, again, all of the United States, and we also invest in other venture capitalists. So we are the only VC firm in the world that I know of that uh, actively uh, invests in other venture firms, including one in Detroit called Ludlow Ventures. Wow, that's amazing. And so in terms of maybe market cap, some of those things, what, what kind of, if you could give the listeners a kind of idea of the number of assets that you're working with and type of companies, and then also, what, how, how, thing, how are things going in terms of acquisition of other venture capital companies? Yeah, so we have $2.5 billion under management. Um, so if you had asked a kid from Detroit uh, uh, a few years ago, would you be in charge of a company that had $2.5 billion under management, I would have laughed, uh, laughed at you. Um, yeah. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting up there in size. Uh, some of the companies we've invested in that you may have heard of, we were you know early investors in companies like Fitbit and MakerBot. So those, you know, those are some of the consumer facing ones we've had, but well, currently have about a hundred, hundred investments, a hundred investment companies and about 20 funds that we've invested in. And uh, like I said, we're all over uh, the U S we've got a couple things outside of the U S one in London, one in Canada as well. Okay. Okay. Um, how many companies are you managing right now on average? So me personally, so if you think about 100 companies uh, that we're invested in at any one time, you figure about 75 are active. So there's basically 70 to 75 companies divided by uh, the seven partners that we have. So everybody's in, you know, responsible uh, for a primary responsibility for somewhere between 10 and 12 companies. Okay. That being said, all of the companies that we work with, we try to double staff 
uh, just to make sure they're getting a, a good broad experience level from the firm. And in case somebody gets tied up and busy or on vacation, that the companies we invest in aren't left stranded. Okay. How did you get started in, in, in starting a venture capital entrepreneurship business? And how did, how did you come across being a venture capitalist? <laughs> I got lucky. Okay. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was at Michigan law school, uh, wondering what I was going to do. Uh, I, I met some people from California and they had told me about this thing called venture capitalist. And what stuck out to me was a couple of things. One, I had been a software engineer. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll be able to communicate with these things called entrepreneurs. Sure. And two, I was told that I could, uh, wear whatever I wanted to the office. And the idea of not wearing a suit and tie also seemed cool. And California seemed like it'd be an interesting place to be. So I moved out to California. I was there about 10 years okay. and I uh, worked for a firm called Cooley, uh, which at the time was called Cooley Godward, great law firm, uh, out, out, uh, national law firm. They're all over the place, including internationally as well. I'm still very close to them. And, um, I started representing both uh, startups, which were raising venture capital and, uh, venture capitalists who were putting money in the companies. And I was on both sides, learning both sides of the ecosystem. Okay. I felt really good about doing it. it. It was a type of law like, hey, if I do a good job and get this done, everybody wins, right? There's no winners or losers like litigation. Right. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I started working very closely with a venture firm called SoftBank, which uh, went to look for a general counsel back in 2000, and they hired me away. And I was their head lawyer for a while. And then over time, uh, you know, started taking on more responsibility, became uh, the chief administrative officer and a managing director of that uh, fund, which eventually changed its name to Mobius, and then eventually started doing uh, venture deal work sometime in 2003 or 2004, I don't remember. Yeah. So at some, at some point, uh, I had met some people out there, my, my partners, Brad, Seth, and Ryan. Uh, Brad Feld, who some of you may know, is my co-author on our best-selling book, Venture Deals, Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist. Okay. And we, uh, we decided we were going to start this thing up in Boulder, Colorado, because we wanted to invest nationally and escape some of the noise chamber of the Silicon Valley. So we started that in 2007, and it's been a, been a wild and great ride ever since. Oh, great. So let me ask you this, Jason. In terms of your experience in Silicon Valley in California, and then segueing off into the Boulder, Denver, Colorado area, what were some of the differences? Like when you first started in, in Colorado, what were some of the things, I wouldn't say obstacles, but maybe some of the challenges you had in, up, in starting up there and some of the experience you had with Silicon Valley, what were some of the most notable things you learned in, in from, from that aspect as well? Yeah, well, it's a great question. I'll, I'll start with the, 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 the last question, which is what I learned while I was there. I mean, what I learned was that the intellectual capital and the drive for people to create incredible businesses based mostly, not always, but mostly on meritocracy okay. was really, really addictive to me, you know, coming from Detroit and, and I love Detroit, but you know, I, I had the envision that, you know, everything you got, it was, you know, if, if you had friends who were in unions or you had friends working their way up, you know, there was a hierarchy and everything, right? There was seniority mattered. And it was, and by the way, I really respect seniority and I do respect my elders. And I think that's important. But at the same time, I think the drummer in me or the ex-drummer in me, a little counterculture of like, hey, but if I'm doing a great job, I want to be recognized for it. And sure. I felt like when I went to the Silicon Valley, it really was a no holds bar. If you're kicking butt, you're going to be recognized for it. And that was really intoxicating along with these people called entrepreneurs, which are incredible. And, 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 and that's where I got that education. As I moved to Boulder, the, the challenge was when we went to raise the fund from our investors, 
we had a thesis that about a third of our companies could be done in Colorado. Okay. And they didn't believe it. They said the only where you, the only place you can build a company is in Silicon Valley. This was back in 2006 when we started raising the fund. Sure. And you know at that time it was all Silicon Valley, all Bay Area. Um, you know as we've seen since then, you know obviously Boston, New York, uh, the entire West Coast is incredibly dense uh, of this activity. But you're seeing other uh, other areas, and I would think that Boulder is you know if you if you speak about big entrepreneurial tech centers in this country, Boulder is going to be in everybody's top five. And so, you know, getting people to, to, to believe that we could create a big or help create a big eco ecosystem here was important. It was an obstacle, but it's something that we found been amazing. And, and what you find here is there's no, and, and, you know, one thing I'd say, there's no perfect place to start a company. Right. Every place has its pluses and minuses. And one of the pluses here is that being a second tier market, people try a little harder. Yeah. And there's also a lot less transition between companies, right? When you go to work for a company, you stay there longer because there's not another startup across the street trying to hire away every second. Right, right. And I think um, the other thing, too, is it's interesting as the tech sector has permeated basically every industry known to man and woman, um, as other areas of the country are starting to be more, you know, fervent in, in developing ecosystems, including Detroit, it's like, you know, now it's like we really are a global community. And, you know, like um, with Steve Steve Case's book, Rise of the Rest, too, and the web, yep. when he talks about Web 3.0 and all this good stuff, it's like you're seeing, it's, it's like we're seeing a convergence of a lot of activity, which is great. And, and Detroit is becoming a major part of that, which I'm, you know, in these um, recent years, last five, six years, you really see a lot of that going on here which wasn't there before. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody would have laughed at people talking about Detroit being a next tech hub, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, so it's, it's great to see a lot of that activity going on in other areas of the country as well. So Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. and I would say that it, we should all say thank you to some of the great Silicon Valley companies like Google, for instance, inventing, you know, them and Amazon inventing and scaling cloud computing, yeah, allowing an entrepreneur to start a company for fifty dollars as opposed to five million. I mean, when I started in this business, it literally took two to three to five million dollars just to launch a website. Wow, come on, right? So you know, you democratize where entrepreneurship can happen when you take the costs and you you bring them down by an order of you know a hundred a thousand. Sure. Um, so it's, you know, we, we, we should all say thanks to a lot of these enabling technologies that were born out of Silicon Valley um, because it is allowing, as you say, um, entrepreneurs to have the ability to live anywhere, work anywhere and be successful anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thanks to good people like yourself, too, because when you decided, hey, I want to work, I want to work in jeans. That means a lot, too. You know, because um, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I know when I was working. Um, back in the 90s and early 2000s, everybody was kind of, you know, formal, semi-casual, but really still it, wasn't, it hadn't gotten there yet. But then I turned around and it seemed like overnight people walking around the Renaissance Center in khakis and polos and these are GM folks, you know what I'm saying? On a casual Friday, I know. I was like, wow. I don't know what the I don't know what I don't know what the building's called now, but it was called the Comerica Building when I was working at Accenture, which yeah. was Arthur, which was Anderson Consulting back day downtown Detroit, and I was wearing a a double-breasted suit with a tie and walking my butt between that and the Joe for the parking lot every day. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I remember the old days. Oh yeah, man. And uh, just to see the transformation and, and now, you know, you look and hopefully you get back over here soon. Cause in the summer, man, it's like after work, you know, even on Thursday, Friday night, it's tons of people everywhere downtown, which is great to see finally, man. Yep. 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 Now in terms of, um, 
let's go. Let's sh- shift the focus a little bit with you. A little personal here. What wh- what would you say in all of your experience in your tenure and your career? What were some of the valuable life lessons you learned in terms of developing Foundry Group and you know some of the other things you learned as being a venture capitalist? There, can you share any personal life lessons that that you've experienced? You know, I I don't think it's particular to venture capital. Okay, but I'll tell you some of the things I have learned. A um, couple of them will sound obvious. A couple of them may sound cheesy, but I, I hope who's ever listening, like think about what I'm saying and think about it sincerely because everybody's, you're going to hear a lot of people say what I'm about to say, but I actually mean it. Okay. The, the first thing is, is realizing that at the end of the day, your reputation is your biggest asset. Okay. It's not who you are. It's not the position you hold. It's not the firm I work for. It's your individual reputation is the most important asset. And that has always been said and always been true, but even more so now that there's things like social media and ways for people to hold you accountable when you don't behave. And if you truly have a reputation for being a straight shooter and being honest and ethical at all times, both in your personal and your professional life, and I, I want to highlight that it's for, for professional and personal, sure. then you're somebody special. And you know, when I went to law school in Michigan, they told me, by the way, you're a lawyer 365, seven days a week. I said, no, I, that's not right. And they said, yeah, if you do something wrong in your personal life, they can yank your, your law license. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You know what? That's how, that's the standard all of us are being held to. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah. How many people have we seen in recent days who do something in their personal life that categorically uh, screws up their professional life? I think the first thing is, again, that I've learned is reputation truly does matter. And you, every time you make a decision, you should consider how that's going to impact those around you and your own reputation. I think the second thing that I've learned, which has been surprising to me, which is going to, maybe it's going to sound obvious to folks, but I, uh, um, it took me, it took me about 40 years to figure this one out, is that make, realize that in everything we do, both personal, personally and professionally, there's one common denominator, and that's that we're dealing with other human beings. Right. And whether it's personal or professional, human beings are human beings. All of our our strengths and our faults and our weaknesses and what drives us and all that. And what I find is that there's many people who feel that they're doing really good in one of those two areas and doing really good in my professional life and really crappy in my personal or vice versa. Um, and I'm guilty of this or had been until you know five years ago is realize that it's it's it the same decision making process should happen in your brain when people say well how do i know if i should interact with this venture capitalist i said well how do you know if you want to go on a first date right oh, jason you, you just know right okay perfect i agree you just know same thing in business how do i know i want to do business with a person how do i know i don't want to do business with this person Use the use the skills that we've developed since being tiny children about good and bad and instinct and make sure that you're not shutting those off thinking that your professional life is just an intellectual exercise. Okay. It is every bit as much emotional as anything else. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's the thing a lot of people are missing the boat on. One thing about the advancement of technology and social media is, yes, that there you know, we have our own in our groups and our you know, clicks in our little, you know, silos in terms of human beings. We do have our own check and balance system. Like if you're out of line, you're going to have a friend that puts you in check. You know, that there are certain things yep. that we do have. It's just that those get overlooked because the sensationalism of it all, the euphoria, the exuberance of this new technology and be able to connect with people takes over all of that. But you're right. 
because um if you, we see it in in our times every day where somebody you know you you have, a, have even may have had a long story career and then a couple incidents are taking them from their whole career because of what they've done in their personal life and and that not being able to check that for themselves you know and it's especially true if you're a founder or ceo yeah. it's especially it's triply true if you're a founder and a ceo of a smaller market that's always wanting to bring the market down right as much as much as you guys are building in detroit and just as hard as you're working you know you're under scrutiny you know people are the press is out there and wants to write bad articles oh, don't yeah. give them an excuse okay. don't give them an excuse I hope you folks are listening in the detroit area you're listening to that distant closely jason Mendelson, founder of the foundry group words of wisdom here so and let's talk about the foundry group itself jason what is the foundry group and what all are the services you all provide so we are a classic venture capital firm in most ways. Um, so what we do is we raise money from investors. So banks, endowments, high net worth uh, uh, individuals, although that's not really our focus, uh, sovereign wealth, um, pension funds, folks like that. We raise money and we take their money and we identify entrepreneurs that we want to back. We put money into those companies and then we sit alongside them for seven to 10 to 12 years. We sit on their board and we help them every day for whatever they may need for anything as small as a simple question to, oh, no, I think I've really screwed something up. How do we fix this? And so that is primarily my job. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, we also have a, a set of uh, a couple partners who focus on investing in other VCs. So we help, uh, uh, you know, pension funds, endowments, banks, et cetera, et cetera, who want to find access to the next great venture capitalists. And we try to hook them up as well. So. That's what we do. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're jacks of all trades, master of some. Um, we work very closely with the entrepreneurs because we view that what we can do to help them far outweighs the value of the money that we bring to the table. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, now, in terms of listening to, you know, uh, sound bites, news bites, and things like that, um, venture capital companies are, you know, known for being supportive and being, you know, the chief investor of a lot of different startups and being, you know, the the main source of of investment for you know start companies starting out so if you take a if you could take a walk through like i know when you came to detroit recently you talked about the fact that you're not just an investor as far as a vc but you are actually a partner with that company so if i started a company and i say well jason you know can you invest in me can you help me out can you be my vc you're not just going to say okay here's the cut here's the check but you're like a mentor a partner and also almost like a, a, a person sitting right next to me and my team putting things together. Can, can you give me a little bit more insight on, on how you approach that? Yeah. So, I mean, think of it this way. There are some VCs who think when they give you money that they own you because they gave you the money, they own part of your company and they sit on your board. Okay. What they're missing is that when I give you money, once I give you money, I got no way of getting it out until you do something great. <laughs> right. I work for you. Right. So, you know, as a CEO and founder, there, there is this, I don't know if you've heard this, there's this old saying that being, this, being a CEO is the loneliest job in the world. Yeah. And one of our biggest uh, ways that we can help founders and CEOs is by being that resource, being that person, especially when they're lonely or they don't know who to turn to or they're scared to talk to people inside their own company because they don't want to appear right. weak or whatever reason is. They can come to us and we can say, you know what, guess what? We've been there. We've right. seen that before. Right. This is, these are some strategies to work around that. 
And sometimes just a five, 10, you know, 15 minute phone call can radically impact uh, the entrepreneurs that, that we back. And, and those are the days I'm most happy and most proud where I really feeling like I'm adding value. On the, uh, on the other end of the spectrum though, there's things like, you know, you've got a company that is, is, is near a life, de you know, near a death sentence. Uh, things haven't gone well. They're out of money. They're on fumes. They've got a couple of, uh, of ways of potentially throwing a Hail Mary and you're, you know, working very, very hard, many hours a day, every day, trying to help these companies complete that Hail Mary. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're able to do that and we're able to turn some of these companies around. And those are also super, super fulfilling. So, you know, look, there, every company is resource constrained. Every company is missing some executive that it needs. Sure. Um, our goal as a firm is to try to help them fill in those gaps with, with our experience and our knowledge. That's wonderful. Uh, that mentorship piece is really, really key. And I think that's what makes your company unique because a lot of companies, you know, that's what they need. All you need is that guiding hand. You Like you say, you may have a company here or there may just need a one little push or may need everything, but at least to have a guide there because it's not about cutting a check. It's about helping somebody be successful. You know, and it's like, it's a lot, it seems like there's, and you tell me, Jason, if I'm wrong, but it just seems like there's a lot of life lesson building activities just within that. Because as an as an entrepreneur, I'm pretty sure with CEOs, they have a chance to grow as their business grows. So it's like you grow personally, you grow professionally, and then you also have a mentor in the foundry group to help you get over whatever hump you're getting over. Um, That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for all of you out there listening, please take note and listen closely because if you have a business or an idea and you're thinking about maybe going out and getting investment and investors to, to look at your idea or business. This, these are certain tenets and certain principles you need to look at because like Jason said, the VCs are working for you. So then it's time for you to do your shot, get your shopping cart out and do shopping and do your homework because then you want to be a fit because we're all human beings. Like we said earlier and being connected with someone who cuts your check is just as important as being connected with someone you're going to marry in your life personally. So you know, I, th I thank you for that word of wisdom too, Jason. Um, so, and then shifting the gear of focus a little bit to the Detroit and Michigan area, how, how did you come across uh, Bamboo Detroit? Um, ben Seedman, who was, I think he recently moved to Chicago, but he was really active with the group. And he, he emailed me and said, look, you don't know me, uh, but I understand you're from Detroit and you get back here on a regular basis. I've got this great group that I think you'd be uh, interested in speaking to. And, um, it was just a great email. And I wrote him back and said, well, look, you know, I'm going to come in and I forget what month I was in. But I was going to come in for some meetings I had. And he said, I'd love to have you. So it was, it was simple as that cold email, which, you know, goes to show you that a cold, a, a well-written cold email can get people's attention. Wow. That's amazing. And Ben, for all of us in the Detroit area, I know a lot of people know Ben. He's a great guy. Always, um, always on point. And I've, when I've long, the years I've known him, always helpful, always willing to help and, and go beyond. I think we're going to miss him here as he and his uh, lovely, uh, lovely Lily is going to be going to Chicago. And I miss, wish, and while he's on air, I wish them much success in their endeavors, but he will be missed because he's a great, great couple, great. They're great people. And, uh, but I'm glad that you were able to connect too, because the thing is about bamboo is that it's, it's like a center hub for a lot of different people. And it's amazing what's been going on in the past, you know, four or five years with them as far as the growth membership is expanding very quickly and they're really getting a household name built out there. And 
you know, I just appreciate you, Jason, for coming in and speaking because I enjoyed it thoroughly too. You know, that was my my pleasure. And you know, for those people who are listening, um, we we at Foundry Group decided to sponsor the next year of talks. So the the food, the beer is in, and the speakers are on us for the next year. So I hope y'all enjoy it. And on behalf of everyone, thank you so much. Appreciate that, man. So and then um, going into Detroit. You know, with the with the whole tech and entrepreneurship scene, what's your take on it for what you've seen so far? I think you guys are hitting an inflection point. So, you know, look, everybody who wants to see an entrepreneur ecosystem develop at a minimum needs a 10 year view. OK, right? 20 years is when you're really going to get judged, but you need to have at least a 10 year view. And that's how long these things take to build. Sure. Um, I don't, I'm not sure when we say Detroit started, but I can say five years ago, um, there were a ton, there were a ton of activity, ton of well-meaning people, ton of super smart, nice people, but it, it, there wasn't a whole lot of cohesion. It felt like there were spots of entrepreneurship, whether it was Ann Arbor or Birmingham or Detroit, and a lot of people doing a lot of things. And then, and it, and it felt very top-down driven. There were a lot of government involvement, universities involvement, which is helpful. But at the end of the day, if the community is going to succeed and be great, the entrepreneurs have to be the center of the universe, not service providers, government, universities, or anything. And and I've noticed a decided shift that where the entrepreneurs, you know, all all you folks who are there putting these events together, putting the education together, uh, putting the the marketing and whatnot together, starting funds, starting companies, um, it, those are the leaders of the of the community, which are great. You know, you're, you, so that's been huge. Um, you know, co, we co-founded TechStars um, uh, nationally, which started in Boulder. Um, okay. Ted Serbensky and I, you know, dreamed up one night uh, over over a, a sandwich that we wanted to bring something to Detroit. That's happened. That's had huge effects, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so what you're looking at is I think Detroit is really, really poised. <laughs> You know, assuming it's still going to hustle as hard as it does and, 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 and have its heart in the right place, I think it's going to continue to grow as an ecosystem. And, you know, you guys have a lot of advantages, right? You know, a lot of manufacturing advantages, a lot of real estate advantages, um, uh, cost of living advantages. You know, as you mentioned, the rise of the rest, this is, you know, this is definitely the rise of this part of the rest. And I'm really excited about where Detroit's going. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, a lot of good things happening, a lot of, a lot of, cohesion you know because like you said five years ago we didn't have it was fragmented we didn't have a lot of people working together and now you can see the energy picking up and really the young people the the young people 35 and under are really pushing things man and they really are are driving a lot of the force of, of people working together and in a space like bamboo you know i've seen tons of witnessing about this one is that you can be anybody coming through those doors and just coming to one event you know you meet tons of people you it's a great energy you feel I, I haven't i don't think i've have gone to an event yet where i haven't felt that same kind of energy every time you know so it's it's a wonderful thing to see and i think that we're just on the cusp of some great things happening so you know um in terms of the five ten year mark where do you think you see detroit as far as gauging five ten years from now where, where, do, where do you think detroit's going I don't, man, I don't know about 10 years, but I can tell you, if, if the growth in Detroit over the next five years is the same as it's been over the past five years, then you all got nothing to worry about. Okay. <laughs> that's all I can say. That's great to hear. I mean, that's inspirational because a lot of, you know, a lot of it is uncharted territory. 
You know, a lot of yep. people, it's, 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 it's never been done before. Um, and for me personally, I worked in a number of years in local government. So I was there pre-bankruptcy, in bankruptcy, and now I'm back post-bankruptcy. And it's, loud. it's like it was definitely a cleansing of the palate as far as our finances here. And so now there's an energy, a chance. I think people are feeling the chance to really create something great here. And, and it's it's been, a, it's been a nice, nice journey so far. I mean, it's been painful. There's a lot of growing pains with it. But in spite of all that, there's been a lot of, of just a lot of high energy and people being enthusiastic and people willing to try things and take risks. So it's, it's, it's just nice to be a part of. And I'm pretty sure all you out there listening across the country, I know you're listening in other parts and other states. So please keep in mind that no matter where you are, you have a resource right here on the line. You know, you have somebody you can research and talk to and maybe even come up with an idea with. But the thing is, it's about due diligence. You got to do your homework and you got to be clear on what you want as well, because nobody can help you if you can't help yourself. And that's the thing, too, about relationships with people. You got to know what you want. Cause Jason can't help you if you can't tell what you want. So that that's, that's a word on that. And also Jason, I guess for me, uh, I have a question regarding with all your life experience and, and the experience that you've had, you know, in, in creating a, a great, creating a great company, a company that helps other people. When you, when you talk about your partners, the people that you're partnered with in your company, do you feel like it's a family? Do you or do you feel like it's something like, hey, this is my team, like a like a sports team, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help lead them to guide them to the next level, or how how do you feel about when you when you're working with people and and, and I know it's it's a struggle sometimes and it's you know the day to day can be a grind, but but what 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 was your vision in building your company? Did you want to build a family with your company or how how did you approach it? Well, when I started the company with my three partners, so there are four of us, um, we had a, a plan that we wanted to start Foundry Group in a way that we stripped away all the BS that most other venture firms had. So okay. regarding hierarchies and compensation and weird incentives. And, you know, we started, uh, and, and like I said, we started, we were together in 2006 when we, when we all got to Boulder, we raised our first fund in 2007. Okay. Um, I, I will, I, I can answer your question with one, one quick story in 2014, I got married and my three groomsmen were my three original partners. Wow. We built, we built a family. We built an organization based on trust, respect. Uh, our, our motto is brutal honesty delivered kindly Sure. so that we help each other out a lot. Um, very proud of what we built here. I think the culture here is second to none. Yeah. And the reason I'm asking that, because it just came, the thought occurred to me that a lot of startups and people who are forming companies and they may uh, they may be looking at friends and family that they're starting business with. And sometimes, you know, over the past several years, there's always been this norm of be careful if you go into business with your friends, you fall out and all this other stuff may happen. But I think that there's something that can be said about people who are friends, even if you become friends and working together, because then... That means that you you know each other intimately and personally, and by getting to know somebody and discovering them, you, I think I think there's a chance to work better together as opposed to shunning a relationship because of somebody's relationship with you. You know what I'm saying? Yep, totally. So I, I really um, that's an encouraging word too. So again, for all you future entrepreneurs, current entrepreneurs, people who have great ideas out there, I'm trying to get you to the point of being less afraid and not having fear 
in that idea. You might have the next great thing. You might have the next Facebook or Google out there, but you won't know if you don't try. And again, we have a resource right here on the line for you, Mr. Jason Mendelson. And so, Jason, in terms of companies that you are looking at prospectively investing in, can you tell us some of the characteristics you would have, like maybe in the makeup of the team or their attitude? What, what do you look for when you say that's a company I want to invest in? Well, going back to something we talked about earlier, I want to fall in business love. I want to, okay. I want to feel like this person is somebody that I'm going to spend the next decade with, okay. which is longer than the average U.S. marriage. Right. And I'm going to learn from and they're going to learn. We're going to work well together. And I want to feel that way about the whole team. So from a, from a people standpoint, that is non-negotiable, massively important. Obviously, if you get past that, then the next hoop is, am I personally interested in what you're doing? And, and don't confuse that with, do I think it's a good idea? Right. You could have an incredible idea that's going to change the world and make you a billion dollars. But if I'm just not interested in it, I don't want to spend the next year, the next 10 years working on it. Right. So there's that. And then if you get through that filter, the next filter is really evaluating the idea. You know, do I think it makes sense? Can you make a lot of money? Are you know, are you rapidly, uh, uh, you know, are you rabid in fixing the problem? Um, and and what I think the competitive aspects will be. So you know, there's there's a lot of different steps. Okay. Yeah, and it's, and I'm sure it's complex too. It's too, it's not enough time here to talk about that. But I'm glad you. I appreciate you uh, letting listeners know that because yeah. uh, th that's a lot of importance too. I mean, like I say, folks. You got to have your stuff together. And, and even if your team, even if you don't have the complete team, at least have that energy. Um, yeah. And I, and I think uh, with the approach that you and your partners have had, Jason, with the Foundry Group, I think that sets you apart from a lot of different VC companies. Because I, when you, we first, when, when I saw you at the event in, at Bamboo and you talked about the fact that you guys invest in other VCs, I was like, I'm perked up right there because I've never heard of that. I mean, most of Nobody's most, done it. Nobody's done it. And, and, it's great to see that you're successful at it. Cause that's the other part to it too. It's like, you could have done it and it could have flopped, but you're not, you keep going and it's growing. So yeah, that's, that's great. Well, not, not, not knock on wood, right? We're only as good as yesterday's news. So thank you for saying, but we're, it's, we're going to keep working our butts off. Yeah. 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 Well, you got the Detroit spirit, man. And we Detroit, we don't stop working. Right. Yeah. Never, never at all. Now in terms of um, people want to get in contact with you, what's your contact information? So it's all on my, uh, it's all on the website, foundergroup.com. Uh, you can get my email, phone number, uh, however you want to contact me. I, I hate LinkedIn, uh, so don't do that. Okay. Uh, but foundergroup.com, and I'd say anybody who's interested in, you know, potentially getting funded or something, read the website. Make sure we've got all the information out there as far as what we look at, what types of companies we look at. Do your homework, and if and if it's a fit, uh, a conversation can be started. There you have it, folks, and we're going to repeat the information shortly, but make sure you please, if you have to write it down, if you have to rewind four or five times to make sure you get it, make sure you do. Um, and with that, we're going to close out. So, Jason, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us here at the Doers Network. We appreciate your time. Hey, it was great being here, Donald. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, folks, thanks for tuning in. Once again, I'm Donald Robinson II, your host, and you'll be listening to The Doers Network, where actives grow and thrive. You've just been listening to our interview with Jason Mendelson, co-founder of The Foundry Group. For more information, you can go to www.foundrygroup.com. And for more information on Jason, you can go to The Foundry Group website and look up his biography. 
This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.